And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to the highest heaven, on earth peace to those who will misfavor rest. Amen. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. I want to welcome you here in the West Auditorium and everybody joining us in the East Auditorium and joining us online. I want to invite you to turn in your Bible to Luke or your Bible app to Luke chapter two. Uh, Luke chapter two. Luke is one of four stories in the Bible, one of four biographies about the life of Jesus. And so we're going to get to that in just a moment. But before we do that, I, I really hope you had a great Thanksgiving and I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And I know some of you are like, yeah, right on. And some of you are like, dude, there are still 29 days. Give me a break, right? And if that's you, I just wanna say, Scrooge, it's gonna be okay. And if it's not, then don't, don't be surprised if the ghost of Christmas past visits you this evening, right? So, look, I love Christmas. I love the lights. I love the enthusiasm. I love the joy on children's faces. I love greeting cards, which I think we can all admit now we're kind of the original social media, like, we're gonna tell you about all the highlights of our family over, over the last 12 months, right? And I, I love the food, I love hanging out with family, I love the memories, um, I love the, the decorating of the tree or the trees, I guess, within reason, and here's what I mean by that. Um, we had some friends when we lived in Michigan and they had a house where they had 27 trees set up. And they would take you on a tour of their trees and they would say things like, this is our partridge in a pear tree tree. It has partridges and pears, isn't that cool? And if that's you today, I just wanna say, I will be right here after the service and I would love to pray for you. In fact, this has kinda of become an epidemic in our culture and so I created this website. It's called www.toomanytrees.com and if you're afflicted by excessive treeness, I see somebody pointing fingers. If you're affle- ex- uh, affected by excessive treeness or you know someone who is, you have a loved one who is, please visit my website. I would love to help you out. Uh, this is not a real website. Don't go look for it. It's not, it's not there. Um, anyway, one of my favorite things about Christmas season is Christmas movies, and so a uh, moment of participation in really all the spaces, West, East, online, by raise of hands, how many of you have already watched at least one Christmas movie this season? Okay, Hallmark movies do not count. <laughs> just, just kidding, they do. I, just kidding, my, they, they do. Um, and then, I know we don't normally do things like this, but I'm still a youth pastor at heart, and so on the count of three, and here, and in the East and online, I want you to shout out your favorite Christmas film of all time. So here we go, don't, don't let me down. One, two, three. <laughs> I understood more of those this time than last time, but nonetheless, here's the deal. I just wanna solve this once and for all, so I put together a, a top three Christmas movies of all time for us to enjoy today, and here's the first one, number three, Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah, somebody's excited about that. If you have not seen this film, please leave church right now. Go watch it and then watch this online later. Uh, Please don't actually do that. Number two, best movie, Christmas movie of all time is Elf. 
Yes, I believe it is one of two Will Ferrell movies you can watch with children, and uh, <laughs> it's pretty enjoyable. And then drum roll, please, help me out here. Number one is White Christmas. Less excitement about that one, that's okay. Not only is this possibly the best Christmas movie, but it is the best movie of all time. And, and just so I don't get myself in trouble, an honorable mention, It's a Wonderful Life. Probably, yeah, see, some people are like, yeah, see, you got it wrong. Um, but, <laughs> but primarily because my, my dad would disown me if I didn't include this one, okay? So, um, so I love Christmas movies, and last thing I wanna talk about Christmas so far is just I love Christmas music. In fact, in the Grundon household, Midnight and November 1 is the beginning of Christmas music season, and we put away the pumpkin spice, and we get out the Bing Crosby and the Burl Ives and the Pentatonics and the Stevie Curtis Chapman and the so on and so forth, and yes, even Mariah Carey friends, because for two solid months, we listen to only Christmas music. And I know some of you are thinking, Jonathan, how can you listen to the same nine songs <laughs> repeated over and over again? And I would just simply say, how can you not? In fact, sometimes my phone gets confused and they'll start playing Christmas music in June and I'm totally cool with it. I just kinda, kinda roll with it. And so I'm not gonna list the top three Christmas albums of all time, but I just wanna share my favorite one with you. Here it is, Home for Christmas by NSYNC. <laughs> I heard an amen. Um, I'm serious, okay? 1998, my sister introduced me to this album, um, which was 25 years ago. Some of you just realized how old you were. I did when I realized that. Um, and yeah, there are some cringy moments in it, but it's got an amazing beat, amazing harmonies, and I absolutely love it. And look, any of you who are judging me right now, we allow Pastor Adam to get up here time after time and talk about Hallmark movies, so I need you to give me this one, right? Okay, so Christmas clearly is an amazing season. But if it's such an amazing season, why is it that people seem to struggle so much during the season. You know, we, we spend all of our time writing greeting cards and buying gifts and decorating our homes and decorating the tree and going to unlimited Christmas activities and taking our kids or grandkids to unlimited activities and then doing our favorite thing after all of that, cleaning up, right? It's no wonder that it's a season where people struggle. In fact, I love the way that one pastor talks about this. He says, for many people, getting ready for Christmas seems more of a hassle than a source of happiness. It's a source of stress. They, they feel pressure, not pleasure, when it comes to Christmas. It's a duty, not a delight. They endure Christmas rather than enjoy it. And we know this, but we don't like to talk about it, but Christmas is often a season where depression and anxiety and loneliness are at their height. And why wouldn't that be the case, right? We spend all this time with family who we love but also drive us crazy, right? And financially, we find ourselves spending money on, on gifts and meals and trying to be generous and give to everybody. Or maybe we don't gather with family and friends and we realize how lonely we are. Or we look around the table and we realize those that are no longer there who used to be there. Or maybe, honestly, we're just really sick of 2023. And like, we're excited about Christmas, kind of, but we're just looking forward to that new start, that new beginning. We find ourselves thinking, you know what, everybody else is so happy, why am I not happy? And if that's you today, I just want you to know we are so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. And if you resonate with any of this, the chaos, the struggle, the challenges of the Christmas season, I just want you to know this is a safe place. And we're not gonna raise hands, but I suspect that if we did, many of us would say like, yeah, in some way, I resonate with that. 
And so, just so we're all on the same page, I, I wanna kinda share in light of that just a, a church secret that I think it's important that we all know, and here it is. Friends, we are all a mess. Every single one of us have things that we regret doing. Every single one of us are carrying difficult things. Every single one of us have things in our lives that we hope other people don't notice and none of us have it figured out. And that person that you think has it figured out, they don't. And I don't, because none of us do. And the great news is that is why Christmas is so incredibly important. You see, it's not about the lights and the music and the movies and the food and the family time. It's not even about magical snowmen and flying reindeer. It's not about coming to church even and celebrating as we sing Silent Night together. All of those things matter. All of them are important. But none of them are the reason that Christmas matters. Christmas matters because the God of the universe loved you and I so much that he stepped into the mess of my life and your life in a messy way so that we could know him. And it blows my mind that, that Jesus came the way that he did. Jesus came, he came as a defenseless baby, right? Now maybe he probably wasn't as defenseless as some others, but he came as a defenseless baby born to an unwed couple in the Middle East 2,000 years ago in a barn. Not the way that I would probably have done it. I mean, what was God thinking? No hospital, no news, no social media, no party. And it makes me realize that God's priorities often are very different than my priorities. You see, God could have done whatever he wanted to. He could have communicated with us however he wanted to. He could have sent Jesus however he wanted to. But rather than doing it the way that I would have done it, he sent Jesus in a very humble way. And I'm sure there are a variety of reasons for that, but one of those, I believe, is because he wanted us to truly know him. He knew that if Jesus came as a rock star or a ruler, as an influencer, we could not know him, we could not relate to him, we could not understand him, but God sent Jesus in a humble way so that we could experience him, so that we could relate to him, so that we could learn from him, so that we could experience God face to face, and ultimately, so that he could bring restoration and hope and healing into the mess of our lives. And that's what we wanna talk about over these next few weeks as we prepare for Christmas, as we see what God has for us. We're, we're doing a series called The Gift. And The Gift is all about the greatest gift ever given by the greatest gift giver. And specifically, we're gonna look at Luke chapter two, which we'll get to here in a moment. We're gonna look at God's encounter with some shepherds and what he did and how he spoke to them and the themes that are included in that and what that means for our lives as we embrace another Christmas season and the, the routine and sometimes the overwhelm and sometimes the discouragement and sometimes the loneliness. And so let's dive into Luke chapter two, uh, verses six and seven. We see that Mary and Joseph, they have just arrived in Bethlehem, and it says this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to them. Now this is a super familiar story to us, right? Like Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem, Jesus is born in a barn, he's surrounded by animals. I mean, Mary and Joseph, they probably held candles and they sang Silent Night and everybody slept in heavenly peace, right? <laughs> but we quickly change from that scene in Luke 2 to another scene where there's shepherds and this is what it says in verse eight. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now being a shepherd was a tough job, okay? 
They had to take care of dirty, stinky sheep. They had to you know, make sure they got where they're supposed to go, that they had food, that they, they were taken care of, that they were protected because they're constantly prone to wandering away or toward danger. And some of you right now are probably thinking like, that sounds like my job. Or maybe if you're the parent of a, a preschooler or a teenager, you know what it's like to take care of dirty, stinky people who are constantly wandering toward danger, right? So shepherds had a tough job. But shepherds are also really looked down on in their society. They, they were viewed as the kind of the lowliest of the low. And I don't know how to describe this well in our culture, so I'm just gonna say they were basically the Green Bay Packer fans of their day. <laughs> Certainly not who God, we would think God would announce his son to, right? But that's exactly what he did, and we see in verses eight and nine, it says, and there were shepherds living in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, I can only imagine what this scene would have looked like, but we know that there were shepherds sitting in the darkness of the night, and suddenly light exploded everywhere, and the angel of the Lord showed up, and God's glory was everywhere. But what I love about this scene is that what we find here is a group of people doing what they've always done. Taking care of sheep, guarding sheep, feeding sheep, protecting sheep. And in the, in the moment there where they thought nothing was gonna happen, God showed up and he surprised them. And it makes me wonder, this Christmas season, as we go through the routine, as we go through all the things that we have to do, as we check boxes off our list, are we ready to be surprised by what God may wanna show us this Christmas season. So maybe step one for us today is as we approach another Christmas to just be open. Hey God, what do you wanna show me this year? And so with that in mind, let's see what the angel of the Lord says to these freaked out and really concerned shepherds. And in verse 10 it says this, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. God says do not be afraid or the the version of the Bible that I grew up with, he says, fear not. Fear not. Hey, shepherds, I know, I know you've never seen anything like this before. I know it kinda surprised you, but fear not. It's gonna be all right. Why? Because I'm bringing great, great news of great joy for all people. So how did the shepherds respond to this? Uh, we're gonna talk about that at the very end of the service, but I think it's important that we note a couple things they didn't do. Number one, uh, they probably didn't say, hey God, that's super cool that you came and thanks for telling us and we're really excited about that but I'm kinda doing something right now, taking care of these sheep, doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I mean, it's super awesome and everything but kinda gotta get back to this. And yet I know in my own life, you know, I've been through enough Christmases now that I know the routine, I know how things go, I know what I have to take care of and I'm super grateful for what God has done and for sending Jesus but I often have a difficult time focusing on that with everything else that I feel like I'm supposed to take care of. The other thing that we know the shepherds didn't do is they probably didn't calm down because they were terrified. Like that, that phrase there, they were terrified. They were freaked out. They didn't know what to do. And God saying, hey, don't be afraid, probably didn't mean they were like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm good now, you know? Uh, in fact, things got crazier because not only is there the angel of the Lord, now there's like angels everywhere praising and singing God, and I don't know about you, but it would be very difficult for me in that setting to calm down. And I love that the very first thing that God says to human beings after his son comes to earth is fear not. 
do not be afraid. Fear not. And it makes me wonder how many of us today need to hear the creator of the universe say to us, fear not. Do not be afraid. So let's talk about fear for a moment, all right? Because I know it's a subject we really love. Um, I love what Pastor Rick Warren says about fear. He's got an acronym here. Fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. In other words, fear often is a bunch of lies that have built up and convinced us something is true that is not true. And so a few months ago, I was at a conference and the speaker was talking about this. He was talking about how he had allowed fear to build up in his life and impact him deeply to the point where he was beginning to believe things that were not true. And he shared with us that, that kind of as a response to that, he took on this spiritual discipline of just listing his fears. And I thought, yeah, not doing that. Like, that's not happening. But I realized as I thought about it that if fear really is most often a lie, sometimes writing those things down can take the power away from them so that we can replace that with something else. And so I decided to do it. I decided to start with his list and I added some things of my own and I wanna share it with you today because I think we all need to hear this. You see, we're not talking about fear of spiders, we're not talking about fear of heights or snakes, but I know at my core there are some fears that exist that keep me from trusting God. Even though I love him, sometimes there are times I don't trust him with my, my family or my future or my health. And so I just wanna share this list with you. It starts with a pretty heavy one. Fear of death, fear of the unknown, fear of what that's going to be like, fear of illness, fear of unemployment, not being able to provide. I hear these two, the next two a lot. Fear of being too young, not nobody listening to what I have to say, or fear of being too old and nobody listening to what I have to say. Fear of being loved, fear of not being loved, fear of being alone, fear of decisions our kids will make. I think for many parents and grandparents in the room or with us online, that's a very real Fear. fear of not having enough, fear of what God may ask of us, fear of being accused of something that we didn't do, or fear of being exposed for something that we have done. For me personally, I think it's a fear that others will see that I really don't know, that we really don't know what we're doing. Fear of being forgotten, fear that God doesn't have our backs, that if we do the things he asks us to do, that he's not gonna be faithful in response. Fear of war, fear of our kids living in a complex world, fear of losing someone, I was talking with a friend of mine just this last week and he said, you know, his wife has struggled with some health concerns over the last many years. And every time she goes in for a new test, he just wonders, is this the beginning of the last time? Fear of being in a relationship, fear of not being in a relationship, fear of our family when we're gone, fear of being hurt again, fear of hurting others, fear that our work doesn't matter, that we're insignificant, fear of a particular person, group of people or piece of information or what about the fear that we are not fill in the blank enough. We're not smart enough, beautiful enough, athletic enough, healthy enough, financially sound enough. Fear that we are just not enough. And sometimes these fears seem so real and I love the fact that as Jesus enters the earthly scene and God shows up to some shepherds on a hillside, he says, fear not. Now I wanna be careful, I'm not saying that fear is a bad thing always. Sometimes we need fear to keep us from doing something dangerous, right? Like, I'm not recommending that we all leave here this afternoon and then sometime this evening, go find a dark alley and just walk down and being like, fear not! And the Holy Spirit, like, force field surrounds us. Like, that's not gonna happen, guys, okay? Fear is an important thing, but I know that fear and prudence 
are not the same thing. I love what Max Lucado says about that. He says, there are real fears born out of legitimate concerns, yet left unchecked, they metastasize into obsessions. The step between prudence and paranoia is short and steep. Prudence wears a seatbelt. Paranoia avoids cars. Prudence washes with soap. Paranoia avoids human contact. Prudence saves for old age. Paranoia hoards even trash. Prudence prepares and plans. Paranoia panics. Prudence calculates the risk and takes the plunge. Paranoia never enters the waters. I love that line, prudence prepares and plans. Paranoia panics. See, far too often, Christmas is not a season of preparing and planning and being intentional. It's a, it's a season of panic. So what do we do with that? How do we fear not? What do we do? And I, I wanna come back to the reason that Jesus came. I said this earlier, but I wanna say it again. Jesus came so that we could relate to him, so that we could learn from him, so that we could experience God face to face, and ultimately so that he could step into the mess of my life and your life, and we could experience his restoration and his hope and his peace. In other words, he came to be with us. The story of Christmas is fear not, for I am with you. God is with us, and because he is with us, we don't need to fear or to worry or to be anxious. And so much of scripture actually reminds us of this. In fact, last week, Pastor Brian was talking about this, but the people of Israel, as they're about to leave 40 years in the wilderness and head into the promised land, they know that that's not gonna be easy. They know that they're gonna have to take that land and it's gonna be a fight and it's not gonna be simple. And so in that moment, God says to their leader, Joshua, Joshua 1, 9, he says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid, I am with you. Or what about Isaiah 41.10 where it says, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear because I am with you. Or what about 1 John 4.18 which says there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, God is with us and his love is with us and because of that, it drives out fear. And I love that last sentence there. It says, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, friends, we don't have to panic. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be overwhelmed because God is with us. The story of Christmas is that God is with us. And not only is he with us, but he knows us. He knows you. Let that sink in for a minute. God knows you. He made you. He loves you. He knows where you get things right. He knows where you're a mess. He knows your, your worries and your fears. He knows your hurts and your pains. And he loves you so much that he sent his only son for you because he wanted to be with you. You see, God is with us so we can fear not. God is with us so we can fear not. And I suspect that many of us need to hear that message this morning. We, we get so caught up in our fears and our worries and our anxiousness and the chaos of this season and we just need to be reminded that we can fear not because God is with us. 
But I'm also aware that sometimes we need help with that, right? Sometimes we just need a little help understanding that. Sometimes the lies are so loud and the fear is so strong and the anxiety is so powerful, we just don't know what to do. <clears throat> and if that's you this morning, I just want you to know that I'm glad you're here because part of my story is that two times now, I've ended up spending some really quality time with a counselor for a series of weeks to get back to the point where I can address some of the fears and the worries, where I can overcome some of those things and I can really begin to understand again that God is with me so I don't need to fear. I've also had plenty of times in my life where I've had to talk to a pastor or a friend or a small group member to just say, hey, this is what's going on and I just need you to remind me that God is good, he is with me, so fear not. <clears throat> and so if that's you today or you know somebody that's in that space, we just want you to know that God is with you, but so are we. We'd love to walk with you. I would love to talk with you. We have a great staff, great pastors who would love to talk with you. We have fantastic relationships with some counselors here in our community, and if that's something that you need, we can help you connect with that, because God is with you, but so are we. And so maybe step one for you, maybe the priority today is not to fear not, maybe the priority for you today is to reach out to sometime this week over phone or email to somebody here on staff and just say, hey, I'd really love to talk. <clears throat> okay, so what do we do with this idea that we, we can fear not because God is with us? Because God is with us, we can fear not. Because it's a good idea, but what do we actually do about it, right? Well, I wanna recommend as we wrap up that there's two things that we can do. The first thing that we can do is choose to believe that he is with us. Choose to believe that he is with us. And I know that believing may not sound like doing right, um, but believing and knowing are two very different things because there's a lot of things that I know, a lot of things that you know that don't impact our day-to-day -day lives. But I'm sure that those shepherds that evening as they sat in that field and they were surprised by what God did, that it radically changed what they knew because they knew about God, they knew about the coming Messiah, it radically changed what they knew into something that they believed. So much so that they could not wait to go tell other people about what they had experienced. And I believe that what we choose to believe about God being with us, it should impact this Christmas season, the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our resources, the way that we handle our worry, the way that we handle our fear. So the first thing is that we can choose to believe that he is with us. The second thing that we need to do is follow the example of the shepherds. What did they do? So we know that as soon as the angels left, they went to see the baby, to see God with us. And we don't know how they did it um, because they couldn't just leave their sheep behind. Like that was their job. They had to be there. That would be reckless, right? So we don't know if they like took the sheep with them to see Jesus or they hired like a sheep sitter uh, to take care of them so they could go. But either way, we know that they did whatever it took and kind of the chaos of their life to go see the baby. And it makes me wonder for, for you and for me this Christmas season, what does it look like to see the baby? To go see God with us. Maybe, maybe it looks like saying no to something. Maybe it means saying, you know, hey, I've got this opportunity or maybe even this obligation that I have and I just need to say no to that because I need some time amidst the chaos to, to really go see the baby. Maybe it means reaching out and serving somebody else, taking the focus off you and 
and all the chaos that you're going through and, and serving somebody else. Maybe it just means being open. These shepherds didn't know God was gonna show up. We have the opportunity to be open and available to what God may wanna show us. Maybe it means stepping away from something, giving something up. Like, hey, there's this thing that's distracting me, it's getting in the way, and I, I'm just gonna take this time to focus on what God has for me. So I'm gonna set that aside for this season so that I can focus on him, so that I can see the baby. And I think for me and maybe for you, it's, it's really just being intentional. Like we all have our to-do list, we all have our checklist, we all wanna check those boxes and get things done. We, we just wanna get through the season and as we do that, we miss the opportunity along the way as we walk with people, as we walk with our family, to see the baby, to focus our attention on the baby, God with us. So my final encouragement to you today is over these next few weeks as we go throughout the same routine, the same opportunities, the same worry, the same fear, to remember that we can fear not because God is with us and we can be intentional about going and seeing the baby. And with that in mind, would you pray with me this morning? God, you are so good to us and we know that, Lord, and we are so grateful for what you have done for us through Jesus. God, as we step into another Christmas season, coming out of a season where we've just given thanks, Lord, God, help us not in the midst of this to lose what's most important. And God, we know there's a lot of joy that comes with the Christmas season. God, there's also a lot of stress and worry and fear. And so God, as we face those things, Lord, help us to fear not, to remember that you are with us, God, and help us to make the main thing the main thing. God, to focus on the baby, to focus on Jesus, to focus on you being with us. And so Lord, we ask these things trusting God that you have incredible things that you wanna show us and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.